often cultivating courage, compassion, and connection in order to build worthiness actually takes enough of a sense of worthiness in the first place. So how can you build worth if doing so takes self-worth and and self-value that you don't have yet or may not be connected with? Welcome to the Safe Enough Podcast. This podcast is an exploration of what it means to feel safe enough in order to live the kind of life or make the kind of changes that transform our lives into those with all the love, connection, belonging, and purpose that we seek and strive for. My name is McPherson Warbeck, the founder of the It Begins to Move studio. I am a safety and self-worth recovery partner, and I'm so happy that you're here. In this short two-episode series on self-worth, I'll be talking about what self-worth is and how to grow it. Self-worth is the the foundation that underlies self-esteem, self-confidence, self-compassion, self-care, and ultimately great relationships and feelings of happiness and ease. These are all things that many of us want more of in our lives, but just like trying to build a house without building the foundation first, greater self-worth may be the foundational key to growing all of those other wonderful things. This episode will attempt to define what self-worth is, and then the next episode, episode 13, will discuss how self-worth builds and grows. So what is that thing, that that thing that some folks have more of and some folks have less of? If we can understand what that thing is, then we can have a much more productive conversation about how to grow and increase that that thing, that sense of self-value and self-worth. But we have to know what it is that we're growing first. And to me, just talking about esteem doesn't cut it. That's not specific enough. And I absolutely love everything that Brene Brown studies, writes, and everything that she talks about. To me, her work has been groundbreaking, and thank heavens for it. But her work talks about what's possible when you have a foundational sense of worthiness. Yes, to all the things that are possible when you have it. But what is it? What is worthiness? worthiness, and how do you grow it? In her book, The Gifts of Imperfection, Brene Brown talks about how cultivating courage, compassion, and connection are the keys to building more worthiness. Now, again, I'd like to say that I, for the record, I love, love, love that book and all of the other books she's written and all of the talks that she's given. However, for folks who are recovering from the after effects of complex and relational trauma, cultivating courage, compassion, and connection can be significantly challenging or near impossible. So to say this another way, I think she's right. But I also think that there's a chicken and egg dilemma at play. Often cultivating courage, compassion, and connection in order to build worthiness actually takes enough of a sense of worthiness in the first place. So how can you build worth if doing so takes self-worth and and self-value that you don't have yet or may not be connected with? It's like building your own house without training as, as a carpenter, an electrician, a plumber, uh, an excavator, a cement worker, a general contractor, etc. 
Sure, you may understand that the kitchen sink needs to be connected to the main sewer line and the main water line, and that when those are all hooked up correctly, it will be much easier to cook and wash dishes with fresh running water inside your home kitchen. You might understand all that, but how do you actually make all that happen if you don't have plumbing training and the kind of expertise or the right tools in your toolbox to begin with? So I started to explore the question of what self-worth is. What is it? How is it defined? What makes it up? As Brene Brown says, clear is kind. If you go searching for gold, it's helpful to know what gold looks like so that when you find it, you can recognize it when it's there. If we know what self-worth is, what makes it up, and what factors influence it, then we'll have a much better idea of how to build and grow it and to sustain it. So according to Online Etymology Dictionary, the word worth has a multi-layered origin. And what I mean by that is it has its root in a word that has its root in a word that has its root in a word and so on a few more levels down. And what I glean from reading the whole entry are a few things that I find really, really interesting that I'd like to share with you and then talk about some more. So firstly, the word worth is an adjective It's a descriptor, and that's important because it describes another thing. It's a quality. It's not actually a thing itself. Worth is it's not the thing. It's the quality of having the thing. And the word that's most frequently used in the definition of the word worth or its common synonym is the word value. The worth of something is, in essence, the quality of having value. Okay, so value is a noun. It's a thing. You can have it or not have it. But worth is the quality of having it or what it's like to have a particular kind of value. And I'll talk more about the interesting nuance of value in just a few minutes. But following the root of the word worth ultimately ends in this concept of symbolization. Worth symbolizes having this thing that we call the value of something. So if worth is a descriptor or a symbolization of value, then the question really is what determines the value of one human life? If humans are not worth dollars, then what is a better measure? Because some folks have lower amounts of self-worth and self-value and some folks have higher amounts. So if you do a Google search for the definition of value, you'll come up with words like significant, important, um, beneficial, or, or usefulness. Essentially, something is valuable to the degree to which something is useful. Degree of usefulness, I think, is an unhelpful connotation of understanding the value of a human being. If you take this current day definition of value, which um, it's frankly, it's commodified and apply it to human life or the understanding of human worth and worthiness, I think that you'll be left with a very limited idea of what someone's worth means. So as a language person, as someone who thinks that the way that we talk about things and the words that we use matter, I started digging deeper into the etymology of the word value, the root of its meaning about usefulness. So value comes from the Latin word valere, V-A-L-E-R-E. Valere comes from the P-I-E or 
Proto-Indo-European Base Root Wall, W-A-L, W-A-L, <laughs> or often in, in Western English languages, we pronounce W's like V's. So we would pronounce the P-I-E root um, wall or uh, wall as val or val, V-A-L. And P-I-E roots are essentially the most basic forms of a word. Even just one sound or syllable creates the base meaning for other words that are built around that base root. All the words built around a common base root share the same common meaning, but then the rest of the word has a slightly, they have slightly different connotations. So the P-I-E root wal, W-A-L, or val, V-A-L, or val, which actually means strong, is the base root of words like valid, valiant, valor, and prevail. They all have slightly different meanings, but they all share the same basic root meaning, strong. Now, interestingly, the word strong is also an adjective just like worth. It describes something. It's the quality of having strength, which is a noun. And since worth is a, is a description of something's value, and the basic root of the meaning of value is strength, in a sense, we can say that worth is a description or a symbolization of something's strength. Okay, so I think that that's plenty interesting, but here's where I think it gets even more interesting. So the word strength comes from the P-I-E root strength. S-T-R-E-N-K, strength, which according to Online Etymology Dictionary means tight and narrow, like a string, like a string that you're pulling tight or taut. I never thought of strength like that. I always thought of strength like, um, like big muscles, brute force that can lift or carry heavy things, or even the emotional application of that same principle, which would be like the ability to, to carry or to bear or withstand heavy or stressful situations without crumbling, without disintegrating. I'd never associated the two concepts of strength and tight or narrow. But when I think of the concept of a person who is tight and narrow, um, like a string, I think of someone who's really one-track minded, who has really narrow thinking, meaning that they're not flexible in taking on a different perspective. They're committed to thinking about something in a very, very particular way, like, like no matter what info is being presented to the contrary. They're the opposite of slack and wobbly in their beliefs. Instead, taut, strong, and unwavering. A string is like a line like a clothesline or a fishing line. So when I pull, put all of that together, taut like a string, um, narrow and steadfast and unwavering in belief, it actually makes me think of someone holding the line of a particular belief. Sure, strength can absolutely mean um, being able to lift, carry, or, or bear, both physical and emotional experiences. But Online Etymology Dictionary also lists fortitude, firmness and moral resistance in the definition of strength. Oxford Languages, which is, uh, it's like a prestigious international English dictionary, defines the phrase holding the line as not yielding to the pressure of a difficult situation. And to me, this phrase fits so well with fortitude, um, firmness and moral resistance in the definition of strength. 
Another word for narrow is focused, like zeroed in, not wide and sweeping, but very narrow, select and pointed. Focused. Perhaps we can say that strength is the ability to stay unwaveringly focused on something, no matter what else is happening around you. Holding the line, uncompromising, unswayed, resisting any efforts to be convinced otherwise or or thrown off your game. Having unwavering conviction, never abandoning your belief. It reminds me of resilience in the face of adversity. But the question still remains, if worth is effectively holding the line, what is someone with high self-worth holding the line of? What's the belief? And here's the thing. Even though value as a concept is not exclusively economic, transactional, or commodified, I think that at least in developed nations, we tend to think of value in these terms, like like the usefulness of something or, or how much money it represents. Uh, you know, the more expensive, the better. But thinking in this way about the value of human life is exactly what can lead us to think that different folks can have different levels of value. It's exactly what can allow us to believe that our value, that our own worth could be lower or of a lesser amount than someone else's. I actually think that human worth and human value are self-referential. Human value is not commodified. It doesn't refer to an external quantifiable thing like money. Humans have a different kind of of a non-commodified, non-transactional value. I think that human worth and value, is it's a closed loop system that worth refers to and symbolizes having value, which refers back to the sense of worth, which represents having value and having this sense of unwavering quality of value. So, so value and worth refer to each other in this closed loop system because they don't refer to or symbolize anything outside of this system that defines this kind of human worth and quality. They, they refer to themselves. They only refer to themselves. Okay, so stay with me for a moment. I know that this whole self-referential like nature of human worth and value thing can sound like a whole lot of um, like confusing gobbledygook. Uh, this whole closed loop thing, it's a mind bender for me because logically, my mind wants to look for the external reference of value. Our culture, at least my culture, my U.S., United States, industrialized, colonizing, capitalist culture attunes my brain and my perception of the value of things towards evaluating everything in a system of comparison. Is thing A more or less valuable to me than thing B, which then allows me, um, allows that determination to justify my actions and my behavior towards both of those things. So this is the context in which we as as we exist as humans or we exist as humans in in the in western culture or the united states. Um, right the cultural environment in which humans live and relate to each other matters. Our words and our language are imbued with conceptual and cultural meaning and those words and those concepts influence how we think, what we do, how we feel. And in this kind of 
um, transactional capitalist colonizing industrial culture, it's understandable to approach human worth or human value from this framework. It's what we're taught. It's how other folks interact with us much of the time. And it's what our institutionalized systems of culture perpetuate. If worth is a descriptor and describes value and value is understood understood as quantifiable, um, objective, measurable, and perhaps outside of ourselves, then of course we'd think of our worth as earned, gained, collected, lost, spent, spent wisely, spent unwisely, qualified for, and other branches of a money-based metaphor. But perhaps, perhaps, there is a completely different class of value that's only reserved for the value of life. What if, what if it's neither internal nor external, uh, subjective or objective? What if it's not any of those things? What if it's not quantifiable? What if it's just granted like a principle of nature? What if self-value means that if you're born, it's simply your existence that makes you just as worthy of being alive and experiencing all of the gifts of living as every other human being? In her book, Daring Greatly, Brene Brown says that, um, quote, the important thing to know about worthiness um, is that it doesn't have any prerequisites, end quote. She's saying that there's nothing that you need in order to earn worthiness. If you're alive, then you already have it. Therefore, worth and values become this self-referential loop. You are valuable because you exist. And because you are inherently valuable, then you have the quality of, of, of worthiness. You are worthy. You are worthy because you have value and you have value because you are worthy and so on and so on and so on. Self-referential. They refer to each other. It's a closed loop system. Period. Full stop. And this is where I think that self-worth recovery work comes in. Suppose all humans have value and that, that and, and the same amount of value at that, which means that you have just as much value as anyone else. Suppose that's just a fact, an unconditional principle of nature. And value is knowing that. And I mean knowing that deep down in the core of yourself without a shadow of a doubt. And self-worth is the quality of someone who really knows that they are just as valuable as every single other person. No more and no less. Self-worth is the, like the living embodiment of knowing that principle. Um, Self-worth symbolizes the internalized knowing of that. This kind of person, a person with high self-worth, is so tight and narrow in this belief, strong and focused, unwavering, no matter what information to the contrary is being presented. And this can be particularly important to folks who are recovering their self-worth or, or discovering their self-worth for the first time, folks who aren't sure if they're as valuable as any other human, 
folks who feel that way learned that from somewhere or didn't learn that they have this incredible and amazing and inherent value in the first place. And that's what I'll be talking about in the next episode, why someone might have a sense that they aren't as valuable, why they might have a sense that, th- that they're less valuable than someone else, or why their needs and their safety um, are less valuable than someone else's, and how to recover that natural principle of, of self-value and self-worth, how to discover it and how to grow it, how to discover or recover your sense of, I am absolutely as valuable as all other humans. Your sense of, I am so sure that this is true, that I never waver. I never waver in that belief, even if someone else is trying to convince me that I am less valuable. Because the more that you can hold the line of your inherent value and worth, the easier it is to make deep and meaningful connections with others, the easier it is to recognize your own greatness and the easier it is to give your amazing gifts to the world and align with your life's purpose. It's the key to giving and receiving love and having those incredible connections with yourself and the folks around you and the whole world that we live in. It's the key to all the things that most of us want more of in our lives. The next episode will talk all about how to grow a sense of self-value and self-worth. So don't forget to subscribe so that you know exactly when that episode is available. If there's something about the self-worth recovery journey that resonates with you, you might want to register for the very special upcoming event called Experiencing My Self-Worth. It's a free and live event that's happening soon. If you'd like to register, you can do so on my website, itbeginstomove.com. Um, you can go there to register. So that's all lowercase, and it's the word to, T-O, not the number two, the word T-O, itbeginstomove.com. You can go there to register. I hope to see you there. And if you find this podcast helpful, please rate it on your listening platform to increase the chance that others can find it too. If there's any question or topic that you'd like to hear me address, leave it in a comment. Take care, kind soul.